Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have an interesting guest. He's an officer, police officer. His, he goes by Officer Ricky. Hey, guys. How's it going? That is Officer Ricky. Uh, connection through Officer Ricky is Andres Martinez. He runs Flat Tire Andy, right? It's a podcast, really good. We, Me and Andres met through podcasts, and me and Ricky are meeting through Andres so shout out to the Flat Tire Andy podcast. Really good podcast. Very, a lot of good stuff in there. A lot of life lessons. Yeah. I make a lot of uh, special guest appearances in there. I'm like the <laughs> I'm like the unofficial co-host to the Flat Tire Andy podcast. That's for sure. And Andy will say I'm so too. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you like what you're hearing here and you like Ricky, make sure you check out the podcast. And there's plenty of episodes with uh, Officer Ricky in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So today's. Random topic, and this is really random, truly random, is Officer Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're going to discover things about Ricky. We're going to pick his brain and and learn some stuff and get some perspective of, uh, of a cop. And even besides that, whoever he is outside of a cop. Yeah, um, so my, my first question to you, Ricky, I ask everybody who's a guest here the same question. Just to start off the conversation, where were you born? I was actually born in uh, L.A., specifically Silmar area. So I'm from the Valley, the San Fernando Valley. So I grew up for the first half of my life in Silmar. And then the second half, uh, we moved in with my grandma in Highland Park. So I kind of claim both of those. Got it. Highland Park. So uh, San Fernando Valley is northwest of L.A.? Yeah. Got yeah. it. Got it. Yeah. And then when you say you, you moved in with your grandma, what age was that? Um, I was in literally going to high school. So that's why I stood at half. So from high school through college, right when I got into the academy, I was in Highland Park. Got it. So yeah. ninth grade through, well, I was like 22 or some shit when I moved out finally. Understood. So, yeah. Understood. So, so tell me a little bit more about that. So why'd you move in with your grandma? So, um, in when I was in eighth grade, my no, I lied. When I was in fifth grade, grandpa passed away. He was the one that was living in in Highland Park with my grandma. Um, uh, the time started to get tough for my grandma. Um, so to help her out, right when I graduated eighth grade, my parents decided, you know what, let's go help out grandma, move in, pay the bills, stuff like that. So that was the uh, she has a nice pretty good size property over there so enough room for all of us so my family picked us up moved in with grandma kind of helped everyone out okay so your 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 whole family moved in with your grandma yeah got it yeah so all of us moved in there and kind of try to lessen the load a little bit understood was the grandma from your mom or dad's side mom's side from your mom's side. yeah so like early on like that's what my parents would do like they would my grandpa would stay at his house but then early on when we had school or whatever, and parents were at, were at work. My grandma would move in with us for the week, and then like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, she would go back to um, Eagle Rock or where they lived. So that it was kind of like giving back. Okay, well, you lived with us for so long for these many years. Let's go in now, move into your house, and help you out. Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. Got it. And what um say what high school did you go to? Um, I still stayed in high school in the valley, even though um I graduated right before um or graduated eighth grade. And then moved to Eagle Rock. We stayed in the Valley. Went to Alamany High School. Mm-hmm. It's a Catholic school in, um, in 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 the Valley. Okay. Are you still connected with any of your alumni from there? Yeah, you know, um, I uh, actually a lot of them. I, I I still stay in contact with a lot of them. Still, we I work out with a few of them still on a daily basis. A lot of them I'm still communications with. My best friend, a few of my best friends. We're still always in in constant contact with each other. Got it. So, yeah. No. And, and how old are you? Uh, 28. 28. Yeah. So after your 10 plus years, still got that connection? Yeah. Got it. And so. then you said you went to college? Yeah. So right from Alamany, uh, went to Cal State Northridge right away. So went there, got my degree in kinesiology. Original plan was to become a physical therapist. Was really big into sports, played basketball from literally first grade all the way I got to play at Cal State Northridge for two years wasn't seeing the floor that much so i was like you know what let me just focus on studies and get the hell out of here i figured basketball is probably gonna not go that much further so just focus on the studies and graduated um and kind of like i said physical therapy was supposed to be the original plan Mm -hmm. 
didn't really it wasn't really my pace got it yeah yeah so i was just like uh what's next did you think about like coaching basketball i did uh not necessarily the coaching but i like the training aspect of it so during right after i graduated high school played the two years of college i actually started coaching some of my <clears throat> younger uh um teammates and uh, and other kids coming up we ended up getting this little it's called the Bushido's academy it was like a little travel team mm-hmm. so i did that while i was in college for the next three four years and i was training my high school college buddies um some kids growing um coming up so i was doing that for for, for quite some time and i was really enjoying it but i i didn't really see it being that scalable or something i saw mm-hmm. more like a hobby yeah no i i can relate i'm a coach as yeah well. And I, so I coached three years at one high school, and I'm starting to coach at another. But it's not it's not necessarily like a career path that can has like all this potential for your goals. Yeah, right? no, I mean obviously there is, but at the time I was just like, man, I don't know, like, it's, like the I didn't know how to like like although the the whole gym thing, we were practicing in parks and like the times we could rent gyms out and stuff like that they're pretty costly and it was just me and my trainer that trained me so we kind of teamed up and we we're training together his name's scott so me and scott were always just kind of trying to find ways where we can get some funds to rent these gyms out so we're not practicing in in parks um so that's kind of like what we did for a while and then it kind of sucked that it kind of had to die down we always talk about bringing it back up um and i'm sure eventually we will once kind of things I kind of get the police path a little bit more ironed out and I can kind of put that in cruise control. I'd like to go back eventually to kind of doing, cause that was something I loved doing. Was that like uh, your primary thing that you were doing at the time? Um, yeah. I mean, that's what I definitely put most of my time into. Like I had another bullshit job at, at college. I was just doing, um, sports clubs for the, the, for um, CSUN. It was, like I said, it was just a job that I could just pretty much, I could do and do my homework at. So while I was coach or training people, I would then go to my job, which was usually in, in the evening. And there, we're just watching teams practice. So I would just do all my homework there. Okay. All my homework, where studies, uh, study guys I had to make, I will just do it there because you were encouraged to do work at job. That was the whole point because it was a campus job. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, you can, you can do homework for sure. So... I'll just sit down, do my homework, get paid, do homework, and then so that's kind of where I was. At. That's probably the reason why I even passed uh, or got my degree was because I was able to actually do that. For sure. And would you say basketball is like your passion? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's one thing I loved about LAPD and kind of like um, when one of my buddies, he was like the unofficial recruiter of LAPD for me. Mm-hmm. When he was painting this picture, he was like, "Yeah, they have a like they have intramurals and stuff like that." So. I play for the LEPD, um, our station team. I, I work at Newton Station, so I play for for them, but also the uh, department team, the LEPD basketball department team. And we go to um, police and fire Olympics. Like the last one I went to was um, right before COVID. We haven't had one ever since, but right before COVID, we went to uh, Vegas. We played against teams from New York, uh, Chicago, Vegas, all over California. And we just have a big... Um, tournament of different sporting events from hockey, basketball, football, like you name it. And so, yeah, we, we went, we played and my, my division, I'm on the B team. There's an A team, my, my B team, we got second, but the LAPD, um, A team got first. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's fun that I can still do that. And it's like encouraged. And yeah. if I was to get hurt, it would be an on duty right, yeah. type of thing, so I could still get paid for being off. Like if I twisted my ankle or something. Exactly. So it's cool. I like it. So question: What? So what? What steers you away from basketball? Um, to because you mentioned that earlier, you said something about like coaching, where you said it, it's not scalable or something like that. Yeah, like at the time it just didn't seem scalable because I was like, what does that mean, scalable? So some so <laughs> in the flat tire Andy podcast. Some that 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 listen, they would know that I'm a very, unfortunately, materialistic person. So there's a certain way I like to present and and I guess have things for myself. Growing up very poor, um, so when I saw that, I'm like, man, there's no way that I'm gonna be able to like make money off this. Like, yeah. Like at, at least at the rate that I would want. Mm-hmm. You know. So I was like, I gotta find a way. And there even came a point actually, two years into it where 
I kind of stopped. I took a little break from it because I started seeing basketball as a job. Then I did the passion. And I realized that I started not liking basketball because of it, of seeing it in that aspect of a way of income. Mm -hmm. And because it wasn't producing what I wanted, it started to have a bad taste in my mouth and I did not like it. So I, I, I took a break. And once I came to that realization, I was like, I stopped seeing it as a job. He's like, you know, I'm doing this because it's what I love to do. This is my, like, what makes me, what makes me more relaxed, a way of, li- of letting off steam. Like, this is my passion. This is, this is why I want to do it. And once I saw it in that light and not a financial light, I saw that it, the, the love came back immensely. It came back quick. And I was like, okay. So that, but again, it put that in my mind that, well, it, I won't be able to have the type of success I want financially of course. With, with this. And so that's what I mean when I say, like, it, I didn't see it as it being scalable in a financial way. Exactly. Yeah. So to relate to you, I did, I did coach. And one of the many reasons I stopped was because of, of what you just said. It mm-hmm. just didn't make sense on a life aspect, scalability. And it was just like, because the, the amount of time you, you place there could have been over here and then, then you know, more money. Yeah, so just, but then, but then what I noticed is you say I would always go back to it, maybe in the future, mm-hmm. and I think the same way because I love the sport of yeah. what I do, which is wrestling, and then you love basketball, so it's always there. Um, but I completely agree and understand exactly where where you're coming from. So, what age did you graduate college? I was, I think, twenty two. Hmm. Yeah, I was twenty two. So eighteen, twenty two graduates college. You're 28 now, and then how long have you been a, a police officer? So five years. So there's a one year, is that is that correct? One year gap? Yeah, there's a one year gap because so to kind of go back a little bit, my last year of college, I applied because the year before that, I was talking to my buddy, his name's Patrick. Um, I was like, dude, I was doing an internship at a physical therapy program at CSUN, and I'm like, dude. This, this physical therapy shit is not really what I panned it out to be. I thought there'd be more athletes. This is more like geriatrics, you know, older population, people coming back from surgery or they're like on their workers' comp shit. So they're like, I'm, I'm coming in this trainer mind that these people want to get better and everything. Oh, and it's just like, the, it's not there. And I'm like, I'm having like, oh, well, you know, you have to do this. You know, I'm like, fuck, dude, this is not really what I imagined. Like, dude, this is... Yeah. And so I'm, I'm like, this, and then I'm talking to people like, oh, well, you can't join a team until like 10, 15 years of being established as a physical therapist. I'm like, fuck, like, that's going to take a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know about this shit anymore. I don't know if I can deal with this shit. So I saw my buddy that I went to his apartment and we're kind of just chilling. I'm like, dude, I got to tell you something. I don't know if this shit's working out for me. He's like, well, what's your plan B? I'm like, this was plan A, B, and C. Yeah. I don't know. He's like, well, what else you like to do? And I told him about the basketball thing, but that's kind of like around the time when I was like, it's not really scalable though. It's like a hobby, yeah, at best. And he was like, well, um, have you considered LEPD? Oh, I'm sorry, going back and like, well, what, what else do you like to do? I'm like, well, I've always loved to fly. I want to fly, like, I, I, either it be helicopter or planes. I've, I, I love the air. I'd, I'd love to be a pilot too. Like, that's a big interest of mine. He was like, have you considered LEPD? Now, mind you, my family, opposite, most of them gangsters, a couple uncles that ran for the like uh, Mexican cartel and shit. So I'm like, you know, what? That's nah, the opposite dude. gang. That, <laughs> that's where I run from. What do you mean? <laughs> no, man. That's the gang they told me not to join. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'd get, get jumped <laughs> if I did that. I'm like, nah, dude, I've never once thought of that. And he was like, well, and he started telling me about it and like how you can be a helicopter pilot for them and i was just like no shit he's like yeah dude like i'm actually gonna join myself that's why i'm telling you because i was just looking into it um and i was like oh shit like well let me do some research on it so i researched it and i found out that they make a shit ton of money as a fucking helicopter and you were like ding 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 yeah i was like yo what the (laughs) and it says there that they'll pay for your flight and or for the to to, to get your pilot license i'm like this is a fucking no-brainer Yo, you have to be three years patrol cop? Fuck, that's cake. Three years compared to 10, 15 years that I, so I could do what I want to do for teams? I was like, oh, dude, this is fucking a no-brainer. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm fucking with it. Let's do it. So I hit him up. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm going to, like, I'm down. He's like, oh, dude, well, I'm having my, I'm taking the, the written exam tomorrow. 
um, why don't you, I'm sorry, next week, why don't you call and see if you can get in the same one? So what I did, I called and we had the same one. And then halfway through the process, um, I asked my recruiter, I was like, hey, um, do I, I still have one year of college left and I want to graduate. Is this going to interfere with the whole academy process? And she pretty much told me, long story short, would be yes, it would. So she was like, do you want a career or do you want to finish college? I was like, I'm going to finish college. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm so a, this I'm conversation happened before you graduated. Yeah. Because I was a year okay. away. I was like, I'm a year away. I'm going to finish college. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going to finish something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I finished college. And so, but it, it takes about eight to nine months um, when you apply. That's how long the process takes, approximately. You can expedite, uh, ex- expedite it. Yeah. But I was Realistically, like, it's... I was like, what for, though? So yeah. I didn't expedite anything. I just went through the full thing. So eight, nine months later, I get the call. Hey, this is your, you know, acceptance. Yeah, you're going to join the October class. I was like, oh, shit, all right, cool with it. So, yeah, so I ended up joining the October class for um, oh, 2016. Got it. So so you didn't know you were going to be a cop until you were 21? Uh, no, till, uh, when I was, like, around 22, 23 years old. So 22. So as you said you graduated in four years. You graduated at 22 or 23? Uh, like 20, I think I was just 23. Okay, so I was, like, yeah, right I was, there. I, I graduated think... in, in May, so yeah, Okay, so 22, and then that year gap is the whole application process and everything. Yeah. And you said you wanted to be a helicopter pilot? That's what the initial goal was. Okay, I'm going to go there. My initial, my goal would be to become a helicopter pilot. Got it. And then and then as time progressed, I just, you just didn't want to do that anymore? Or it ended up not happening? or. Well, you know, um, it's not that it didn't happen or anything. It's just, so I did, obviously, the academy, six months. Then you have to do the year-long probation. I was at um, the Hollenbeck Station, which is like Boyle Heights, El Sereno, East LA area. So that's where I did my year-long probation. And then I kind of started to kind of realize that, hey, I, I kind of got a thing for the streets. Like, I, I, I'm just good at it. Um, Hold on. What does that mean? So, like... Like, a thing to, like, relate with people that are in the streets? Yeah. So, like, I can relate. I can converse with people. Like, um, I started to just like the streets. Like, I, I, I like talking to the victims. I like talking to suspects. I like big, building rapport with, with the civilians. Like just the whole aspect of just okay. a street patrol. So you've learned to actually no, not that you you've discovered that you actually enjoy being a patrol. Exactly. Yeah. So I kind of discovered you know I kind of just have the knack for this. I I, I don't I never knew it because I wasn't really one to be of a big public speaker. But I don't know if like just being in this leadership position role or whatever the case may be kind of forced authority. Its way, yeah, it kind of forced it onto me, and I just kind of like went and ran with it. But I saw that it. it it was making me feel good in the things that I was doing, and I found that I was good at, on my own, I guess, finding crime patterns, because I was getting a lot of good arrests early on, um, so, and, like, where they're being recognized, so I was like, fuck, I'm kind of just good at the streets, like, I should just, <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I should just stick with this for a little bit, you know? <laughs> so, so, so walk me through that, tell me about the first time you were an officer, and you you recognize that someone was respecting you as an authority figure. So what did that feel like? Well, I wouldn't say necessarily an authority figure, like, um, because I don't mean. I'll... Okay, well that's called being humble. Yeah. But, but police officers are authority figures. Yeah. And there had to have been a first time where where someone treated you as such. Well, I guess only the first thing that comes to mind when I'm I guess what I'm trying to portray what I'm saying is. So I'm still in in Hollenbeck Station. I'm still considered a, a boot probationer, whatever the you know you want to call it. And I'm working with another probationer boot that was also at Hollenbeck, but I think he had four or five months on me. Okay, that seniority. Yeah. So we're in the car together, which never happens. You never put two probationers in one car. <laughs> but the lieutenant loved us, and he was like, "You know what? You guys are going to do good things. You guys can go out together." We're like, "Oh fuck!" So we're like. You're like sending an 18 year old to a strip club. You're yeah, like, Yo, yeah. Be lit. <laughs> you, you guys are like full grown adults. Yeah, like kids. Like, like, <laughs> you gave us all this power and we don't know anything. Fuck it. So a flyer, we get crime flyers at a roll call every day of stuff that's going on, and there was of this uh, murder suspect, and I think I'm getting credit to my friend Rudy. Rudy recognized her to hang out in Ball Heights. 
in um, like the more like the uh, commercial area of, of Boyle Heights. He's like, let's go down there and see if we can find her. I thought it'd be sick. Oh my God. Yeah, like a murder suspect, right? The only thing that, that stood out about her was she had very bright red wig. So we're so I'm driving and we see a car coming towards us. And in the passenger seat is that bright red wig. And we look at each other like, oh shit, is that her? So we flip it, we go behind her, we run the plates and we like, oh, we can stop her for a spider registration. <laughs> All right, let's stop her for a spider registration. So we stop her. Um, there's two girls in the car. We get out of the car, we walk up. We look and I look at him. And he looks at me. He's like, "Yeah, sir." sir, sir. Oh, and name. so we're like, "Okay." We're like, "Hey, we'll, we'll just like, hey, you got guys on probation? No, well, we're gonna have you guys step out real quick because you know, I think the driver didn't have a license or some shit." Oh, so shit. this like, is hey, making so much sense. Yeah, <laughs> like, so I was like, like <laughs> just, I'll tell you after. Yeah. But go ahead. So <laughs> we take him out the car. We ask for additional unit to come by and roll through. So we hook both of them up and like we put both of them in a handcuffs. And the additional unit, which the two senior officers, they uh, come by and they're like, hey, what's going on? And we're like, uh, I think we got the murder suspect. And they're like, oh, the one from this morning? We're like, yeah. And he looks, he goes, that is her. How come you guys didn't put a, a backup? So a backup <laughs> is like whenever a violent suspect, um, especially of, of a murder suspect, you got to put out a backup, which is pretty much like uh, cops are coming, lights and sirens, you're going to do a felony stop. Your guns are going to be drawn out and everything. Yeah, like because like obviously this person's a threat, right? Yeah. So you're going to your safety. And they've been, obviously, it fits up for a, a, a murder. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So 10-4. <Ten>, <laughs> so the, so <laughs> they were like, why don't you guys put out a backup? We're like, oh, I don't know. Because <laughs> it's like, we're rookies. Yeah, you guys are, yeah. I don't fucking know. New, I was right? like, I don't know. I was like, we just, we just stopped it. And he was like, she didn't give you no problems? No. All right, well, cool. I'm glad you guys are safe then. Yeah, she had like a gun underneath the seat and everything still. The same one that was using the crime. Fuck and that, dude. When we brought her back to the station, we had... This is when I realized it. We had... Mind you, we were probationers. We had two supervisors fighting of who's going to give us an accommodation. Pretty much like a ridden high five that goes to like, like the chief of police. Recognition. Like a recognition like, hey, these guys did a really good arrest. Mm-hmm. So these two sergeants were arguing of who's going to do it. That's when I realized, fuck, we're kind of good at this shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. And that makes so much sense because next time I'm driving and a cop fucking buzzes a Yui, I'm going to be like, he thinks I'm a fucking murderer. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say it makes a lot of sense is because, dude, I have, I have no perspective of police officers, but obviously I hear stories of like, oh, the cop made me do this, but I mean, I was just driving my car or blah, blah, blah. But we don't know what's going on in the minds of you guys, right? Yeah. You just told me about a flyer and murder suspects and whatever. Yeah. And 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 maybe it's like, okay, you know, pull over for registration and we're going to do this, that, and the other. And the driver or the passenger might be like, what is going... Like, this doesn't... But they're not considering what you're going through. Yeah. Right, so... Yeah, that happens a lot, right? Like, um, there's times when, like, people, when they're like, well, what's going on? I don't want to indulge already what I'm investigating. Right. Because, first of all, I don't know you. I don't know if you have a weapon. I don't know if you, what you're thinking, what you're going through, um, especially if you're in a car. You know, so, like, if, if I pull you over and I'm suspecting you of this potential crime, bigger than the taillight that I stopped you for, mm-hmm. I don't want to tell you that because if I tell you, well, you, you just match the description of, of a shooting suspect. And maybe you're on your second, third strike already. And you're like, I'm not going. I don't know what you're going through. So I don't want you to take off. Now the public, myself, and yourself are all in danger. Exactly. So I'm like, look, I'm going to explain anything to you. But you got to first stand over here. That's when I take you out the car, put your handcuffs. Now when I know there's no way you can hurt me, therefore there's zero way I can hurt you. Mm. I can tell you, look, you matched the description of this. This is what's going on. This is what I'm investigating. I'm not saying you're the one that did it, but this is what I'm investigating now. Yeah. People want to know right then and there. And I get it. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's scary to get pulled over by the cops first right away. So if you're yeah. like, oh, he's making me do this. Well, well what do I do? Like, what are my rights? Yeah. Everyone <laughs> wants to know exactly right away, right? Well, what's going on? What's going on? Like, it's kind of hard to be like, I'm going to explain. Just let me do what I got to do first. Yeah. So that way everything is safe. <clears throat> They're freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, it makes sense. It makes I, sense. I, yeah. I don't get but, mad But it, it also makes sense not to... I guess show your cards up front, right? Because what if yeah. it is the murder suspect, right? Because then exactly, yeah. So it's it, like the whole poker thing. Like you, if, really you, if you get you know quad aces, you're not gonna. 
ooh. Then I'm like, okay, well, I'm a fool. Fucking. Yeah, you know what? And it can cause problems, right? Of course. Yeah. And what I'm learning here, dude, it applies. Like, that whole, like, poker metaphor analogy, Mm -hmm. it applies everywhere. Oh, yeah. Because it's not just cops. Um, my I'm, I'm in real estate, right? I have a mentor. And I ran in through an issue with one of my transactions. And he was guiding me through it. And he was like, look, we're going to do this because this person's going to think this. This person's going to think that. Once we do this, we're get, they're going to react in this way. And that's when we come here. Worst case, we come there. And I was like, that's insane. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And I, I thought to myself, like, he's running this like a poker game. Yeah. Because he has to. Yeah. And then you're running it like a poker game because you have to. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's weird. That's that's why I love poker so much because it it really is it it applies to so many aspects of life when it comes to it's, business, personal relationships, literally everything, you know it. it yeah, it's. No, I get it. Yeah, no, I like I, I I love it, but it's it's exactly the same, it's the exact same thing. If I never played poker, then I would have never even understood the analogy, <laughs> right? So I guess <laughs> I always assume every military person plays poker. <laughs> Dude, actually, I got really into poker after the military. I played in the military, but yeah. I got really i don't do you not play spades spade no okay so no. spades is a really big military game okay I, I don't even know how to play anymore it's been so long but <laughs> yeah, i've never heard of it yeah but they, they do play definitely do play there's there's a cliche you didn't play nothing in jail <laughs> so our buddy uh flat tire andy's here <laughs> and um yeah so, so flat tire andy was in jail and uh and and officer ricky's a fucking cop <laughs> That's why we're good friends. <laughs> so, but Andy learned a lot of uh, card games in, in jail. <laughs> so he's yeah. making a side comment. <laughs> you know, you, it, it, it's actually, uh, I have a buddy. He's, uh, I do a lot of poker reference because he's a semi-pro poker player. So we're always talking about the psychological of like, uh, you know, uh, the human subtleties. And that's kind of like how when it came to work, I kind of got what like, carotid you know if it's pulsating sweaty palms you know further movement type stuff i use a lot of stuff that him and i would study and go through of like of playing poker into my real work where you know when i asked him a question hey any weapons in the car and he started giving me some you know um involuntary motor skill type of activity and like, uh, no, but they're a little sweaty. The crowd okay. is pulsing a little bit You're more noticing. than normal. I'm like, oh, okay, there's something in here. Let me, a little suspect. Yeah, let me, <laughs> let me investigate a little further. Okay. And I lay all that out in my reports. Like, I have to because that's what gave me a tell. Ah, uh, I see. You know, so, and then I'll, you know, I'll investigate and, hey, sure and fold. Hey, I found, you know, a load of firearm from, you know, a felony, uh, a, a convicted felon. So I was like, hey. Sorry, exactly maybe, you know so, exactly. Yeah, so yeah that's that's solid that's solid and it's very respectable because yeah, that's it's, fucking scary yeah no it it i mean it's it's like um i forgot what movie it was but there's i guess it's a lot like the military it's just glimpses of scary like a lot of chill downtime but just oh, glimpses. Okay. and then boom right there yeah then, and then uh, back to back to being chill okay. you know like uh last a uh, few weeks ago i was kind of just i was actually going to go use the restroom i was driving back to my station and this guy, I know him to be on probation, and he's wearing a cross bag, which to cops now nowadays, mostly people now wearing the cross bags, that's pretty much like a holster. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you wear like the the satchel cross bag, Ooh. that's pretty much like a holster to cops. Dude, there's, there's, dude, 100%. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I know people who wear holsters. <laughs> yeah. And, and the fact... <laughs> The fact that you're telling me that that's a tell... It's like they they have it all wrong. <laughs> yeah, because no. yeah, I'm Cause telling they, you right now, like that when we see a cross bag, we're like, that's pretty much a holster. Dog, it is. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, you're 100 percent correct in your assumptions because it is a fuck. No, yeah, because most of that's where we find them. So I saw him riding riding with the cross bag. I mean, and it's because again, it's easy access. You can for defense, offense, to throw whatever. You can ditch the whole bag. It's 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 easy. So I saw him on the cross bag and he just looked back. I wasn't even looking at him. He looked back, but then what caught me was when he did the he snapped his head back to do the second turnaround. You know when they all say like like the one time? He broke that rule because he looked twice. He went one day. Oh, like, went, oh know, shit. Like, it's like fucking, he got double laces. Yeah, I already Let's know. Yep. This motherfucker got a jack and queen. <laughs> <laughs> so I I 
flipped it because I saw it from the rearview mirror. I flipped it and I just went right after him. And yeah, we little Dude, pursuit. You're insane, on. bro. Cops, bro. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I'm sorry, but you guys are fucking insane. Like, if you're driving and you see someone and you're like, that motherfucker's a convicted felon and probably got a gun, I'm gonna go after them. <laughs> like, you're insane, my guy. Like that is. <laughs> it, 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 it's funny because I I tell the gangsters that right when when we're because I mean like I said I I've built a really good rapport with them you know but like everyone and we like 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 with buddies we like to talk shit to each other so when they're talking shit. And I'll be like, hey, man, when, when bulls are flying, you guys are running away. I'm, I'm running towards them. No, dude, you really are, though. Because <laughs> that's what they say about Marines, right? Like, oh, Marines run towards the sound of the gun. And they do for the most part. I mean, like, combat and all that. Yeah. But, bro, I'm a Marine, and I would I would not want to be a cop. <laughs> like, fuck yeah. that, bro. If you tell yeah. me, like, hop in a cop car and, like, you got a cholo there, and you're going to freaking... Fuck no. I'm yeah. not going to do that <laughs> no. shit. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess kind of like the conversation we're, ha- we're having earlier, right? Like... You probably been through like a lot more of that shit early on, so you're like, "Fuck, I'm over that shit." I'm oh, the done flip with side. It. Yeah, for me, yeah. I was just college all the time, sports. You know, that was my war zone with sports. So I was like, "All right, time to get into the shit now." I'm sure eventually there'll be time. I come a time where I'm like, "All right, I'm over the running towards the gunfire. I'm just gonna kind of lay back, set the perimeter up, and be low key." I see what you're saying. You know, so I respect that. But for now, it's been yeah, it's been fun, and I've been lucky. <sighs> that's what it is it's just been lucky i know it is that's all it is look look i know i know it's lucky and that's why i don't want to do it because <laughs> you're just leaving it a chance at that point yeah. <laughs> fuck that fuck that but at the same time i guess it's kind of why like it makes you appreciate a little bit more like, even like my wife and i like before we leave cover we're, we're both cops we know that hey if that person has work the next day there ain't no guarantee that i mean not necessarily of the worst that they're going to be killed but that, hey, they, they may get hurt to where they may be either handicapped or something where the, their lives are going to change. Therefore, my life's going to change or her life's going to change. So that's why we always kind of making a point like, hey, when that person has work the next day, that next night, whatever the case may be, that we make sure that we're on, on good terms. Not, there's no bad blood in between because, again, that's our, our work revolves around that risk being elevated. So the last thing we want when we both have the conversation that if us to have some form of bad blood, something happened, and we don't get to you know squash that beef. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like yeah. with your with your significant other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just Got it. So wife. it's yeah. like 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 you and your wife are very cognizant of the fact that you might die at yeah. any day. So so you you guys pretty much maintain a healthy relationship at all times because oh, you yeah. know that you could just snip. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like that whole going to I guess going to bed angry. Just going to work angry, that shit ain't happening. Like we always make sure we squash that shit before. That's we leave. good. That's so good. that we're like, all right, even keel. All right, then we feel good going to work. That's good. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful, so, I mean, man. that's what I like about it. Because it kind of makes you think pros. of that stuff. A lot of pros. Yeah, it makes you think of that stuff. Like, all right, well, tomorrow... Well, first of all, tomorrow's not guaranteed, but the end of this work shift ain't guaranteed either. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I was like, well... So, I like that part. Yeah. That's crazy. So, you, it's almost like you embrace the... The... You know the 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 toughness the what sucks about it it's almost yeah. like you capitalize on it and that's what like drives you almost like, yeah all the reasons i wouldn't want to be a cop are all the reasons that drives you to be a cop yeah no i yeah no, i agree 100 like, yeah yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And, and, and very yeah i mean like i know a lot of times my family just thinks oh. like oh, podcast has been abruptly stopped for technical difficulties and we're going on to our sponsor today's sponsor is flat tire andy podcast narrated by andres martinez he has a flat tire never got it fixed check it out it's a great podcast flat tire randy hey guys sorry about sorry about that uh, the system cut down but um flat tire andy podcast he sponsored this podcast and provided officer ricky so we're back officer ricky (laughs) whatever no you know what that was a good break that was a good commercial break it was needed yeah it was really shitty because we were like it was a really great convo freaking climaxing and then it just got cut i don't even remember <laughs> i don't even remember what we were fucking talking about no uh, I, it, it was uh pretty much you were just saying how like all the bullshit why you wouldn't want to do is kind of what yes. is driving me to do it and kind of like i was saying like that's more reason why my family when i tell them these things i try to keep it to a minimum when i'm telling my family certain shit i will say about my job i don't want to they're already like worrisome for me of obviously. course yeah um i try to keep it kind of to a minimum but that's the reason you know like, i 
I don't want to worry them more and because they're thinking the same thing you are like yeah, exactly. I can't believe why, 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 why would you do that like you know I'm like well you know yeah. I, I just enjoy it you I've could come to enjoy it you could technically stop whenever you want right yeah I, I mean I can literally go like within LAPD there's so many different positions like inside positions there's even positions that we call them they're secretaries with the guns because that's literally what they are the cops are just like secretaries exactly so there's so many positions within lapd um that i and they encourage you to go try a bunch of them so you're not just stuck at one position um but like i said i i've just kind of grown to just liking the the streets and stuff like that so now like the probation was in boa heights el sereno now i'm in uh south central la i'm in newton division so which is a lot you know a little bit more intense i guess in that in, in that sense but I don't know. I've had my most of my success from there too, though. So, question: Do you think they should increase the number of police officers? I do believe they should increase the number of police officers because we are extremely short-handed. But at the same time, I think there are just certain positions within LAPD that officers don't need to do, like those secretary jobs. Hey, mm. for those that are older. You know, and, you know, like, uh, okay, yeah, they probably shouldn't be in patrol no more. You know, let them do the retirement out in those more, quote-unquote, civilian-type jobs. But to have a 28-year-old being a secretary of LAPD for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, you know, so that's why I'm like, I, I have a different perspective on it where I'm like, hey, if you're young and able body, you should be out there. Then you know, pushing pushing the black and white, doing the grind, and letting the people that have done that already yeah. earn that spot inside and just kind of take the back seat and chill. That's my own perspective on it. So what you're saying is, of course, you would like more police officers, but at the same time, just how it is right now, you can reframe it to be a little bit more efficiently anyway. Yeah, exactly. Because there's, like I said, there's so many of us, and there's a lot of people that work inside jobs that are younger and 100% able-bodied to be pushing a black and white compared to, you know, the older population of LAPD that, you know, are still out there. And if they want to continue to be out there because they like the streets like myself, then, hey, you know, by all means, but at least give them more of the the option to if they want to go inside, they can, and not necessarily the 28-year-old. Got it. Got it. Next question. How much longer do you see yourself in the streets? Um, that's something that my wife and I were talking about. Um, so a lot, uh, not as long as I was, I guess, was anticipating, because a couple years ago I was like, I'm all about the streets. I like the street life. I'm all about it. I want to do the gang union. I was like, I want to do everything related to the streets. But then last year, I was. I arrested a like six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound suspect, and when he had to get medically treated for I guess some pre existing condition, he at the last minute decided he didn't want to be seated into the doctor's chair, and went full weight, full went dead weight on us, and so he kind of jerked me down, and when I'm dragging him to the medical chair, um, when I as I was pulling this two hundred sixty pound dead weight um i felt a little pinch in my back like ooh, but i'm like oh, okay a little pinch nerve all right i pulled a muscle i've had that before no big deal well short story long ends up being i have now two herniated discs in my in my in my spine ouch yeah so now i got that to deal with on top of because of basketball i have partial tears in both of my meniscus so it's like I t- so my wife's two years older than me I always tell her you were falsely advertised because you know I'm younger than you. I'm an old man and a young, you know. Yeah, that's what I, I say. Got an old body. That's <laughs> what I gotta say. To that it's not about the age of the vehicle. It's about the miles on it. Yeah, this has been like it's just broken down. Because my body hurts, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, not, dude. I'm fucking. Yeah, I'm like I'm, I'm I'm an old man and a young man's body but. right now. You know, so I'm like, yeah, it's not a. Yeah, so I, I'm like, so now that's kind of what I was talking about earlier about the whole like. I've been looking for multiple ways of income so that way I don't know how long my body's going to hold up and I don't know how long I want it to want to keep pushing it. So eventually now I am looking at like 
you know, but like promotional wise, like detectives, sergeants, where your sergeants are still in the streets, but you're not dealing with as much shit. Like you're not going on foot pursuit, shit like that as often, obviously. Uh, detectives are strictly doing just like follow ups and you're building the case. So I get it. That's more so what, I, what I've been looking into now. Like you can't bank on your body all the time. Yeah. It's like a stripper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so like you're a stripper. Right? You're only going to be hot for so long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So of course, I mean, uh, naturally you're gonna you're 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 a smart guy. Obviously, you're gonna think ahead of yeah. and you're gonna plan, right? Makes sense. Pre podcast, you're even talking about like flipping houses. At that yeah, point, you're like, exactly. like, what could I do? Like multiple streams of income, maybe even flipping houses, or maybe even this. That's cool. That's yeah. really that's a good attribute. That's yeah, good. Well, yeah, I mean, I just like I've always known. I mean, I've always listened to a lot of people, and I've always known that everyone says you have to have multiple streams of income. You have to have multiple streams of income. So like, I already have one already with my brother in law. Um, we have a, um, uh, he's in the film industry. He's a, 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 cinemat- a cinematographer. So him and I have camera equipment that we rent out. So that's what we do. And he's been very successful in it. So on top of that, I was like, okay, what's next though? Okay, now I was looking at other things. Now I'm like, okay, real estate. This has a lot of tax benefits, a lot of, you know, what we're talking about before. I was like, okay, something I want to, so that's what I've been studying on. I'm on. And because of LAPD, I get a lot of downtime. We only work three days a week. So I get a lot of time where I can do a lot of research, study, mm-hmm. and shit like that. So that's kind of what I try to do. Like one day I'll dedicate to myself to, okay, I can feel sorry for myself for the full day of like, oh, man, the last three days were hard and everything. So I'll take one day to myself and not do nothing. Mm-hmm. Maybe clean the house with the dogs a little bit. But then, all right, now I'm starting to start, you know, whether I be reading because I like psychology, reading up on, on psychology, um, or looking into the real estate market. So like that, I'm trying to just learn. I, I try to do as much learning as possible. So that's great. A thousand percent agree. Yeah. Application is equally as important. Oh, one hundred percent. So it's yeah, it's a two part formula. Like oh yeah. One plus one equals two, right? So you got the one down, which is the the study part, but in order to get the two, you need the other application part. Yeah. So, but I'm the same way, a thousand percent, bro. Like, I didn't have to go to school to be in real estate, but I did. Mm-hmm. And then I come to find out, it's like a lot of the stuff I learned isn't necessarily transferable. Yeah. It's like a lot of the stuff you learn is through going through it type thing. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, a recommendation, whatever it is you're studying in any aspect, um, you just add that factor of like doing it. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's yeah. just like a punch in the face. Like, you could be a theorist and theorize these situations or you can go through them and then be like oh fuck I'm like over oh, here boom right there oh shit like i mean think about that no yeah like that's that. that's kind of like exactly what i was talking about earlier with you before the podcast i was like even like the academy right like there's only so much that you learn like they, yeah. I, I i can probably tell you even from like the handcuffing technique we don't even use that in the street it, it's just not really applicable it's, exactly, it's, yeah. it's great on paper and in a perfect world Mm-hmm. But there it is. It's, there not, it is. There it is. it's not really applicable. Like I said. forgot who said it. I don't know if it was Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali. It's probably Mike Tyson. But he says, Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. That was Mike Tyson. But that's live, man. That's live. Like, no, it is. It's because it's, it's 100% true. You know, you can prepare all you want. That's why I kind of like. I, I, I have a like, discussion with my wife about this because she always wants to fucking have everything just like laid out. I'm like. That's when I, what you just said comes into play. I'm like, we can talk about this a thousand times and how this plan is going to go. It's not going to be until we actually do it, though, because we don't know shit. Exactly, dude. Like, it's so weird, man. Even, like, I'll tell you this, like, being in the the real estate industry, year and a half, which is like, okay, I've learned a fuck ton. But it's like, fuck, bro, every day it's like something new, something new. Well, there's different aspects to it, too. It's not just, okay, well, there's the selling house. There's just, there's, it covers so much yeah you know so that's one thing i've learned that's why i was telling like okay well now i understand just the like the the lingo of real estate okay now i get what people are now when they convey information on me i can actually oh okay i know what you're talking about now like you said now i've gone to the research part now i'm like okay i want to apply it that's exactly what i was talking to earlier now i'm ready to start applying this bitch the the application is because i know that's when it's gonna take off like knowledge wise okay and that's why I was telling my wife, I'm like, the best thing is we're young, 28, 30. Okay, we can fuck up right now and still be okay because why? We're able. Our job allows us to work a shit ton of overtime. So if I want to work overtime because I fucked up on a deal or where the case may be, guess what? I can do that. I can just say, you know what? I'm work 20 hours overtime because I got to make up for the loss that I just had. 
Whereas you think I'm going to want to do that shit when I'm 50 years old? Fuck no. I want to be chilling. So I'm exactly. like, I'd rather make those mistakes now because I can risk it because I can make up for it now than later on. And to that makes total sense. To add to that point, the conversation we had pre-podcast is the partner with, with someone that's already doing it mm-hmm. so that you don't make those mistakes because they just tell you. Yeah. That, that That's just what I would have to say, man, because... Uh, you're gonna make mistakes oh 100 and that's what i was telling my wife too I'm like you have to know that we're gonna make mistakes it's like anything you do anything you do new you're gonna make mistakes i'm sure flatter Andy can tell you himself when he first started he's gonna make mistakes if you listen to his podcast you'll learn he made a lot of mistakes <laughs> you know and that's how you learn through them though you know it's, it's all perspective and and how you yeah. take it and you make those adjustments exactly yeah so you're 100 right i was i was debating so wrestling is a good analogy, right? Yeah. You cannot, you really, for the most part, you really cannot start winning matches until you get your fucking ass beat because you have to learn the hard way. That's when you're like, fuck, okay, oh, I get it. Over, it literally takes one to two years until it turns over. And life is very similar. And I, I told myself, I was like, bro, do I even want my kids to wrestle because fuck, like my knee hurts, my elbow, this, that, and the other. Do I really want my kids to, to do that? A lot of debating, but I want them to, cause mm. you're gonna, you're gonna, like, come on, bro, like this is life. <laughs> like, Not only that, but I think it's just also like this when it comes to martial arts, cause I did, um, I did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and kickboxing, but later in my life, literally in in high school, um, is when I kind of got into it. I only did it for a few years, cause my mom's cousin had a kickboxing class in, um, or uh, a, a studio in uh, Highland Park. So just because it was nearby and he let me go there, it was a I would do it no gi, um, so I, I got to do it. But it was just it's such a great discipline for just like anything, like literally, like just to grow your own discipline. It's so great. That's why I love sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They 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 either teach a team confident aspect, and and there's a discipline to it. So that's what I love about. It. That's why I always encourage them. Yeah. I don't think it's exclusive to wrestling at all whatsoever. I know I know for a fact it's across the board. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I gained most of my discipline from basketball. That's where a lot of my punctuality, early bird, shit like that, all that came from was this basketball. You know, then the discipline aspect of literally getting your shit beat in was, came from the kickboxing <laughs> world because that's what, that's what they do. My, my mom's oh, cousin fuck. would literally beat the shit out of me. You know, because that's just the way the teaching was, and that's how you learn, and you got to learn, hey, you know what, if you don't fucking check this hand, guess what, you're getting a fucking kick to the face. Yeah. You know? And, it's, and it's such a cold lesson, dude. It is. But it's it, such it, a cold lesson. Bro. And, li- and that's why I, lo- I love that Rocky Balboa quote, you know, that it, life will beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. You know, it's just how, it, until you fucking that's check true, that block and, and, and start, you know, punching back. Life's been the same exact way. It's, it's very potent. Yeah, it's very potent because I'll tell you this, man. Like that's just what life is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, and, just and kind of going, yeah, is, no, and 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 going back to like the LEPD side, that's exactly what it is. Like I talk to so many. That's the thing, right? I don't just arrest these people and like, all right, you know what, you're just a piece of shit. You fucked up. I'm arresting you. You know, you're useless to society. Yes, I'm throwing your ass in jail and, and, and rot there. No, I talk to these people. Then that's why I say I like because I'm I'm good at connecting with people. Mm. So I try to utilize with it, right? So I I converse. Hey, man, you know, like uh, on, on, on certain things, of course. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to like drug stuff, I'm like, hey, man, how long have you been using? Oh no, shit. Like, when'd you start? You know, I start like, well, why don't you do this? Or how come, you know, you don't do this? Or how come this? You know, I start to learn their story. And it's those people, right, that just, they allow, uh, 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 from what I've discovered now is like, most times something negative has happened in their life. And they just allow that to be their excuse of why they are the way they are. Yes. And they're, instead of like, well, you know, mm. the world is against me. Mm-hmm. So because it's, it's against me, this is the only way I, I can cope with it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people would probably disagree. But when I've talked to hundreds and thousands of people about this, and probably 70 to 80% have that same line and story, I'm like, well, it's then any scientific fact will tell you that that's probably conclusive that that most people have that same view that they allowed life to beat them to their knees and kept them there there's a good so i'm gonna boom connect it over here i go here this side connected over there um so i would say 
it's the mindset of course mm-hmm. right the and, and this is what sports allow is the ownership of accountability versus mm-hmm. the the victim mindset right so to come here to here i would say most people that do sports and who are actually like committed and and, and really learn those life lessons don't allow themselves to make those excuses of uh, this is why i'm doing this yeah right that that that's the value to sports um, but but to also carry on what you're saying, when you say most people use a, ne- a negative excuse to justify their their uh, actions, mm-hmm. what would you say the solution to that is, or like what? Well, for us, it's like anything. Like, like any therapist, psychologist would say, right? It's first recognizing the issue. Okay, well, what 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 was it? Okay, it was you know. Um, the day whatever case may be whatever scenario happened in life that made him feel so negative then it'd be okay well, once you recognize it you're and saying you know what and you take like you said that accountability then you have to start saying okay well i can't use that no more as an excuse like one thing i told um it's hard to not use him because he's he's in the room but i gotta use him as an excuse i mean as an example <laughs> one thing i told andy before was when he was like oh you know um I grew up this way. Just it, it is the way it is. I'm like, you can't always use that as as, an ex- as your cop out and as as an excuse of like, well, that's just the way it is. You know, you have to first recognize it. Once it's recognized, then you have to start working towards those those facts or th- those ways of trying to assure that it does not happen again. You're gonna slip up. So what I what I'm understanding is because this was my initial question was this: you have the victim that mm-hmm. it says this is why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. The question I originally wanted to ask was, do you ch- do you understand where they're coming from? And then you say, I understand you. And then just further reaffirm their biases. Or do you go on the flip side and say, look, bro, life don't give a fuck. Own up to your, your actions and fucking, fucking put your boots on. But then what I'm, but, but I'm not saying here's here. That was yeah, my initial question. Yeah. But then what I'm hearing you saying is, is not set, not necessarily either. You, you yeah. first understand where they're coming from and then you try and guide them back to that other exactly and that's exactly what i was going to say uh, there's a podcast i had with andy same thing where the similar question about the kids of do you make them feel like if you had to choose would you rather feel them uh have them feel um uh like understood or, or fucking ra- give them the life lesson or give them the front. life lesson but it's too black and white, huh? Exactly. So I'm like, obviously, the clear answer you gotta give them a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you had to, or um, yeah, if you had to give one or the other, which one would you choose? And so we debated on that. But same thing here, the the answer is clear. Like you have to do a little bit of both because if you're just like, well, I don't really care about how you feel and like what you went through. Like, I don't give a fuck, dude. You yeah. have to still do this. You have yeah. to just punch through it and say I don't give a fuck. Yeah. But the, the certain people's mindsets would be like, you know what? You're fucking right. And and but not everybody. But not everybody. So now you have to not first, not the majority. I would say. Yeah, I would even argue that too, especially if they're already potentially weak minded. You know, so you have yeah. to give them that that confirmation. That, okay, well, I understand you. A little empathy of like, okay, well, I I get what you're saying, and then try to change that mentality. You, and that takes obviously time. Really, yeah, I should, yeah, it's a, it's a very intelligent move because that's a lot of people think things in like black and white, right? It's mm-hmm. like. It, what is it, bro? Do I fucking be nice or do I fucking tell them like it is? Yeah. No. Right? And they don't want to... Maybe after a couple beers, they'd be like, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. No, it is. It is. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm the type of person where, you know, you can tell me black and white. You know, like... I'm, but here here I am too. But then yeah. you come from sports. I come from sports. Exactly. So, so you, you've learned life lessons at the point where you can just fucking cut the crap and just tell me. Exactly. Because like you said... I've gone. I've been playing in like organized sports um, since I was seven. So from seven, I'm being told either, especially from my dad, as a fucking hardcore trainer, that he would literally tell me that I, 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 when I fucked up, you know, he was just very black and white. He wasn't nice about it. Like, hey man, you know, yeah. you, you tried your best, but you know, no, he was like, hey, did you play like shit today? You know, you're you, like you, you fuck i'm like a seven year old like what like, yeah you played like shit i can't believe you did this i'm like fuck but again like, it's what i'm used to. but you're grateful for it at the same time i'm grateful of course. for it because again like it, it made me understand that like i understood the objective what was uh-huh. going on so i didn't take it hurtful like oh man my dad thinks i'm a piece of shit yeah it was a lesson that was being told and taught to me and so like i said in 
little, I mean, people are now like, oh, well, that's fucked up. Like, well, guess what? That's kind of how life is too, though. And so I appreciate it, it really for is, that. Dude. Yeah. Ugh. You know, I'm, I'm sure people it. wish it was fucking, you know, sunshines and rainbows, but unfortunately. Rocking my boy, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> life ain't all sunshine and rainbows, bro. <laughs> yeah, so I wish, no, but, I but it's, it. it's I, not, you know. I relate 100%, man, because I'm there and I'm there. And you're there, and you're there, and I don't have any anything to fucking, I guess, uh, fall back on or freaking try and grasp. And I'm I'm constantly in this bubble of my own little reality, mm-hmm. and everything that you're saying really resonates. No, yeah, I mean it, yeah, because I mean again, we came some even though different areas, same background, mm-hmm. you know, sports or like that. Like when did you when did when did you start to get into sports? Um, so I'll put it like this. Um, I mean, it was like elementary where I started playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Middle school, I played basketball. I didn't get into wrestling until high school. And I got I got persuaded into it. I got persuaded out of basketball into it. And it was good. It was good. Um, but mainly, I would say the I, I i was raised very individually mm-hmm. per se like of course i had parents they loved me or whatever but it, they were always uh oh, separated so they had allowed me to be alone like bro i'd walk to school walk back walk to something by myself walk, like that in itself just walking places by yourself that's very independent mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people that grow up that are used to getting rides everywhere because mm-hmm. their parents are protecting them constantly so i was never protected so i would always like be cognizant of my surroundings i don't want to get hurt right and um, even with sports, parents, one time of four years wrestling, they showed up once to watch me, and it was because it was senior night, oh, right? Okay. So it was like yeah. very non, non, not necessarily non-supportive, but in the Mexican culture, it's very like that's his thing, let him do his thing. Yeah. And I was so I was. And long story short, I was raised in a very independent way, mm-hmm. to the point where I was stressed out because I knew when I was eighteen, I was like, look, I can't rely on my parents for anything. Mm-hmm. and i have to do something which yeah. is why i joined the military yeah so yeah so growing up it was that plus sports plus reality and you know that bang and i've always been on on the bottom in regards of reality where i've never had like like an excuse per se yeah yeah which would explain even when you came in here like what did you do okay this i did that and, and here i am and i'm still going right because yeah. it's like bro like i can't there's no there's no room for like playing around <laughs> I could play around, obviously. I play Mortal Kombat, but like, <laughs> but like, there's really, bro, there's really no room for fucking. I can't, I can't fuck up and be like, Dad, will you take care of me? Like, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. So. See, I'm, I'm the same way. The only difference, I guess, is like, my dad was, like I said earlier, my dad was a trainer, so he was literally at every practice, every game, but he was recording a lot of times, and I had to sit through film at like 10, 11 years old. And him just criticizing where I fucked up on. That's but at the same perfect. time, that's perfect. Yeah, no, I loved it. But at the, at, at the same time, though, <laughs> yeah, like it's he's a lot telling of me where I did, like, oh, see, you did that right there. That's the good, you know, that's what you did right. And that's why it worked. That's why you got open. That's why you freed yourself. That's why you were able to blow by me. You know, so, so you're a really a good lot. basketball player then. <laughs> no, that's that. Like, that's why, like. <laughs> Andy, yeah, Andy, he, he's beating without fucking on, with sandals on. I, I looked at Andy and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, he's really fucking good at that." <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I that's mean, insane. I, I just had that crazy work ethic, but again, it was still from my dad. But also, I don't want to say my dad pushed me because I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. And, I'm, and I think if you put him here, I think he would tell you the same thing. He didn't push me. He just um, pushed how far I, I could get but i wanted it though because i continue to That's go good. back i like that i continue to play i never said dad you know i don't like basketball no more and he's like well i don't give a fuck you're gonna play yeah i continue to you're play because like, i'm trying to be the best yeah no and i mean i was very i was a very competitive i mean to this day i'm a very competitive person and my dad would tell you even at like seven ten years old i would get mad that i would lose to it. like we played one-on-one and i would be mad like crying that i lost to my dad and he's like dude i'm fucking 30 years old we and I'm like, I, sh- I should have beat you. You know, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, but no, I mean, it was just, you know, it, it's so it's just like the same thing. But going back or kind of connecting that part of like in, in, independence, I don't think there's ever a time that I was thinking about it where I'm going to be satisfied because I'm that, always thinking that 100%. I can do something greater and greater and greater. That's good. So in a way, like I said, it's good. But then like, it's like, okay, well, when do you rest? You know, and I'm like, well, fuck when I'm happy. But then I know I'm going to want to continue to push the ceiling. Dude, that's good. Let me tell you about a conversation. You're going to like this. But I was, I was um, 
I'm not a homeowner. I sell houses, but I'm not a homeowner, right? Yeah. But um, I was driving to a wedding with my wife, and I told her, and I said, I said, because this is how I used to think. Before I had a license, I'd be walking, I'd see everybody driving. And I would say, dude, everybody that has a license that is driving a car, they're all better than me. And I don't fucking like that shit. So, yeah, I get a license, I start driving, whatever. And I don't, I don't own a house, right? So I'm driving away, and I tell my wife, I'm like, this is how I think, babe. Everyone that's out there, so many people out there that own houses, and I'm not one of them. They're all better than me, and I don't fucking like that shit. So I'm gonna buy a house, and she tells me, you know, that's not that's not a good way to think. That's very toxic because guess what? Once you buy a house, you're gonna want a better house. And I was like, well, yeah, and then we'll just have better houses. On yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you complaining about? Yeah, no, no, you're 100 right, and I think it's only toxic if it doesn't push you. If you're just thinking negative, 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 it's like that fat shame person, right? That's just like you're looking at yourself and you're like, I'm just a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> but you're like all fit, but just the way you're seeing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're not working towards something that's actually productive and bettering yourself, like so you can, I, I don't think it's always bad to think that you should want better for yourself. Like, mm-hmm. oh, dude, you have this fucking huge, nice, beautiful house. Like, what more do you want? No, I want nicer. I want, I want this. I want instead of two trips a year, I want fucking four trips a year. So it's, it's almost yeah. like there's two sides to toxic. There's a complete negative where it's like it's anti motivating, mm-hmm. and then there's the flip side of toxic where it's like very motivating to do yeah. more and more and more and more and more. And someone might see it like, bro, that's toxic because you're never going to be satisfied. But exactly. then that's yeah, like, bro, I'm constantly growing. So what's the fucking problem here? Yeah, exactly right. And you know, I I think as long as there's, I don't want to say a ceiling because I don't like ceilings, but as long as there's like understanding that hey you know sometimes if you don't meet those on your deadlines that that's okay you know as long as you continue to strive and do better and stuff like that or just try to do better um whether it be with just doing your own research or actually actively doing something then i think that's when it's fine you know i think the only time it becomes toxic is when you're like you're dropping a lot of family time and and a bunch of shit yeah so that's important to meet your goal so let me sh- yeah so let me share a story with you we'll wrap it up very shortly but let me share a story with you and the toxicity of success that you're saying where it's like maybe that's too toxic mm-hmm. okay so and then i even told fucking andy on our podcast because he's uh or andy used to work for walmart right oh, yeah. Yeah. but the owner of walmart what was his name wally samwan wally samwan he was fucking toxic towards success period because he wrote a book and and i didn't read the book but i heard a podcast and they read the book and they told me this <laughs> this, this quote but they said and it stuck it stuck with me hard it stuck yeah. with me hard because they said this they said they said that he said this <laughs> you can have anything you want but you can't have everything yeah. and the reason he said that was because he was so toxic with his success that he did not go to birthday parties. He sacrificed his fucking family yeah. for the sake of his company. And he, and congratulations, Wally. Yeah. Bro, at Walmart's everywhere. But he recognized that as he, as he was dying. And it wasn't so much of a regret. It was just of, a, of, of an objective statement of, this is what I have, but I, I couldn't have that. And I'm fucking rich as fuck, and I and I I don't have everything. I just have what I wanted, which yeah. is the success of the company. Yeah. So, but then and but what I'm understanding from you is is obviously that exists that no, extreme. Yeah. But what you're saying is, in your opinion, take a a, a step away from that because your family is important to you. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. I think mm-hmm. something yeah. very similar to that. I don't remember who I heard it from. And I don't remember the quote, so I gotta just fucking do the Cliff Notes version. It was pretty much like correlating to that, like you can have all the success, but it's only it's only so fun when you're doing when you're by yourself, though. Mm-hmm. So pretty much like if you have all the success, but because you sacrificed everything else and you're by yourself, mm-hmm. who's it really to um, celebrate it with? You know? Yeah. So that kind of reson- So that's kind of where like mine resonated from. Yeah. So that's why I was like, you know, like. I want to be successful and everything. I want to have, you know, things that I, and I have high aspirations for myself. But at the same time, I don't want to sacrifice the things that matter most, you know, family, mm-hmm. close friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to get there. But at the same time, I want to have those people to celebrate with when I, once yeah. I do get there. And you can have that because mm-hmm. you can have anything you want. If you want that balance, that particular balance, you can have it. Exactly. And that's kind of like I'm saying you can get there. And I think that's the part that is 
not as toxic because you are somewhat not satis- yeah. always satisfied, but you're not sacrificing everything to ensure it happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I agree, man. There's nothing. There's not. There's nothing you just said that I disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> so, where it all clicks in my mind here. Okay. You can't have them. <laughs> no, 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 I mean it's fine. It's fine. I have his number though. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna wrap this up. This is Officer Ricky, Los Angeles Police Department. Yes. Blessing. Thank you for coming. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Andy, for re- referring the the grown man and try to <laughs> and humble <laughs> and humble man. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are gonna enjoy listening listening to this. And that's all I gotta say, man. I, I just I'm thank I'm thank I'm grateful. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate being here, man. Thank you so much. Solid. Solid. Okay. If you like this podcast, leave a review, refer it to a friend, and don't forget to listen to Andy's podcast, Flat Tire Andy. Andres Martinez. A lot of good content in there, a lot of life lessons in there as well. Alright, any last words before we cut off? Just treat cops nice. <laughs> Do it a hundred percent, bro. I've got pulled over a few times. I'd just be like, (laughs) put my hands on the wheel, like, fucking just let him do his thing, dude. That's it. That's it. (laughs) I don't want to fucking, whatever. It's just a job. All right. All righty. So, and that's it. Adios. Bye.